Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So in, in five parts, I'm going to teach this message. The first part is the commission and the definition. Um, so you look at a scripture in Isaiah 61 from verse 1 to 4. And this scripture says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison door, prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then you hear him saying that they may be called, and he goes on, and I will read it later. And we remember Jesus came into the temple and Jesus, when he was about to, um, proclaim his ministry to people and he was about to make his ministry public this was one of the first things that Jesus read and he opened the scroll and he began to read from the scroll of Isaiah and the Bible says Jesus began to say and the spirit of the Lord God Almighty is upon me because he has anointed me the people that were sitting there were familiar with the scrolls of Isaiah so they were familiar that this was a prophecy concerning the Messiah this was a prophecy concerning the anointed one who was meant to bring deliverance and liberation to God's people and so they, must, they said to themselves, who is he to declare these things concerning himself? And he read, all, he, he read all the way down. But you see, I want you to understand something concerning the scripture. This scripture was speaking about the division um, or the, 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 the progression of restoration. And so you begin to hear the guy say, hey, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring this to you people. He says, and then the people that have brought beautiful ashes, garment of praise, this of that of mourning and all of that. He says, they would then rebuild. And so the Lord began to speak about the fact that he's been anointed to bring liberation, to bring deliverance. But that, it doesn't stop there. But then the people that he has liberated and delivered would then bring liberation and deliverance to other people. And so Every time we're speaking about rebuilding, many times we think about it within the context of our lives, within the context of our struggles, within the context of our problems. But according to scriptures, anyone that has been rebuilt must rebuild other people. And so Pastor Nigel was saying that the broken are the ones that build up the broken. The one that has suffered from drug addiction is the one that knows how to liberate someone that has gone through drug addiction. And Isaiah 61 confirms this. He says, because they that have been liberated will now bring liberation to others. So as you think about rebuilding, think about it from the context of a generation, a people, and nations. If it was not for this context, I would have given up on my faith. If it was not for those contexts, I'm sure my story would have been like the story of Enoch. And she worked with God and she was not. Because there are days when I'm praying and I'm literally, I literally feel like I don't want to be here. I just want to be with you. Because it feels like the imperfection of the world makes it so hard to embody the fullness of God. And then you look at the desires of your heart and the purity of your desires towards him. And then you look at the brokenness of your vessel and you wonder, how can this vessel carry such a pure thing with such a great magnitude? And you feel like the only way that I can achieve this unison with the Lord is if I depart from the body and be united with him in the spirit. 
But as you begin to consider such a things in the place of groaning, you also realize that the Lord will have you bring this desire to other people. Bring this desire to a generation until all the voice and the cry of everyone in his church becomes, let the spirit of God, let the, let the, let the bridegroom come. Until there is a cry between the spirit and the bride. And they say, come. And so when I think about things like that, the Lord reminds me of the scripture. Isi, you are rebuilt to rebuild. You are on fire to set others on fire. You are restored to restore. So you need to go back. But for that to happen, for that to happen, there is a twofold, please, if you see tissue paper sticking to my head, don't just look at me and be quiet. You know how nobody wants to say anything when they say fly on the speaker's head. Everybody's just like, hmm. Please don't do that to me, okay? I love truth. Tell me. Sepia. <laughs> so there's a twofold activation um, that births <clears throat> restoration um, that enables those who have been restored to restore others. So it says that um, the, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Then the next thing it says that they may be called. And this is the power of a new name. Because after God has restored them, something happens to them. Their name changes. And so your name is the first prophetic word over your life. When a person is given a name, it is a form of definition concerning who you are. And it gives you a sense of identity. And it releases God's prophetic destiny over you. But the Lord says in the moment where he does this work of restoration, he changes their name. That they may be called. So they weren't called this before. But something happens to them. And, you know, the guy, Jacob, he got to this point. And he was saying to the Lord, he's like, you know, there's something, there's something missing. There is something that has to be built up in me. There's something that has to be built up in my children. We are about to go face Esau. And I'm, I'm in this place where I'm uncertain about myself. I'm carrying the blessing. I'm carrying goods from Laban's house. I have all these things, but I feel like there's a, there's a ruin inside of me. And I, I am still supplanting. I am still running away from my father-in-law. I am still lying. You know, all, all of these things. And he's like, God, you need to help me. Are you sure I'm really the carrier of the covenant? Are you sure I'm really the one you want to entrust with the blessing of Abraham? And he's like, something needs to happen. You need to bless me. And by the way, the word bless is the same word as need. So basically, when they blessed in those days, the reason why you bent your knee is because the, the act of kneeling down is an act of surrender. So when you speak about blessing, you're speaking about being surrendered to God. So it is not you will buy car, you will buy houses. No, the ultimate blessing is to be in complete alignment with the Lord. And so when he said, bless me, he was saying, bring me into alignment with you. Bring me into submission to you. Bring me into your order. And so when the Lord was going to do this for him, what did the Lord do? The Lord changed his name. There are some things that will, can only be rebuilt in you by the change of a name, by the change of identity, by the change of position, by the change of location, by the change of, you know, nature, by the change of nationality and where you have come from. And so the Lord said, hey, I'm going to give you a new name. And instead of the one of supplanter, which your parents gave you from their flesh, I'm now going to call you the prince of God. I'm not going to call you the one who is deserving of the inheritance of my throne. When the Lord is going to rebuild with you and through you, the Lord begins to create changes. 
I want you to understand what this means. It would have been easier if the Lord could say to you, Oh, Uche, from tomorrow you are no longer be going to be called Uche. You are now going to be called Anoshwajinega. Been easy, it would have been easier, an easier process if Uche could just say, Oh, yeah, fantastic. And then, you know, she'll go on Instagram, change it from Uche and Ajemba to Anna Schwarzenegger. You know, she'll change everything. You know, when you see coach, instead of coach Uche, you see coach Arnold, you know, and all of that. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that easy. But the changes of God sometimes are that deep and that different, that drastic. But the Lord is like, If I cannot change you, I cannot use you to change the world because you don't understand you don't appreciate the process you would not be able to journey with me in creating the process in the world and but when the Lord begins to call for such a change it's like life of Deborah one minute you are a pastor sitting under a palm tree comfortably and maybe every Wednesday and every Sunday you are having these beautiful services and people are coming and the spirit of God begins to speak to you, speak to you and begins to tell you hey, 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 hello, hello pastor you are meant to be a general in the army pastor you are not meant to sit under this palm tree anymore, you are supposed to go to the north and go and fight Boko Haram yourself and she's like that's not possible I'm just going to sit here and give a prophetic word concerning it and the Lord is, Lord is like, no. You need to think about it. There's a reason why the Bible says she was the wife of Lapidot. If you are married, you will understand. Because it's not easy to wake up and shift from a posture that has been hammered into your year head by reason of 10, 15, 20 years of marriage and shift from that and believe that the Lord is calling you to lead restoration by leading men. It takes something for that to happen. And sometimes those are the kinds of changes that God makes in you. But when you get the alert that the Lord wants to do that in your life, what do you do? You do the things that people like Esther did. You go back into prayer. And you stay there. There is nothing, Lord, that I can do by myself. There is nothing, Lord, that I can achieve on my own. My God, if it be your will, let this cup pass me by. I do not desire to drink of it because it is heavier than me. It is greater than me. The weight of it has the capacity to topple over 10 women like myself. But my God, I am more concerned about obeying you than being safe in my little space. So give me the capacity to submit myself to your will. These were the kind of prayers that people like Esther prayed that made it possible for them to create the changes that they created. But the first thing the Lord does is that he changes your name. He changes your identity. And so people that used to look at you before and say, hey, you know, Damien, they then begin to look at you and call you where you're passing by. They'll be like, ah, apostle, pastor, ah, business tycoon. You begin to hear all kinds of strange names. And you're like, ah, why? What happened? Because sometimes people pick the signals concerning heaven over you before you even do. And then you begin to hear the sound of it. When the Lord starts to change your name, Know that the time is coming. He says, because now you shall be called the tree of righteousness. A tree speaks about being rooted and grounded. Speaks about stability. 
One of the first things that God does with you when he's going to use you as a person that he will use to bring about rebuilding is that he makes you stable. You become the kind of person that you are able to observe all the things happening, but you don't feel compelled to move because of what is happening around you. You become stable and confident. You, 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 you get your own strength and your own confidence from the knowledge of God. You are able to weigh all things and consider every matter. You know how to take the desires of your heart and process them within the will of God so that you may emerge at the path that the Lord wants you to play in birthing his desire. Stability. You will be called a tree of righteousness. And your stability wouldn't be one that people will look at you and say, ah, she's a snob. She just likes to do her own thing. You know, she doesn't really integrate with other people. No, 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 no. It's going to be a stability that is defined by the righteousness of God. It's going to be so obvious that the reason why this person does the things that they do, or English now, wow. But that dusha is because the hand of God is at work in the life of the individual. It says, and they will also be called the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. It says, and they shall, the next thing that they will do is what I call the birthing of a new commission. So there was the original commission by the Spirit of God, which was to build you up. And then a new commissioner comes upon you that has been rebuilt. And it says, and you shall rebuild the old ruins. And you shall raise up the former desolations. And you shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Excuse me. It is very easy to see the scripture and think to yourself, you know, and recite it over and over again. But let me help you understand what the scripture looks like. You are seven in your house and nobody in your family is ever able to rise up to a point where they achieve something that is notable. You are seven in your house and every time people discuss on your WhatsApp group, you are discussing hustle. How things are hard, how everybody is hustling. In your, in your, every time you discuss as a family, it is always urgent 2K. Never urgent 200 million. In your family, the women marry, they never stay in their marriages. Something always tragic happens. The desolation of many generations. You are born again, you've been in church for 15 years, tongue speaking in every prayer meeting. But you have never rebuilt the ancient ruins. You have not learned how to take brokenness and gently begin to tweak it in the place of prayer. Little steps of um, when God gives you instructions and then worship, and then diligence of the word, knitting the word of God into the daily occurrences of your life and family until you arrive at the point where the day star breaks over you guys. The process of rebuilding, you have not mastered it. But the Lord says that part of the reasons why he has built you up is so that you will, you will master the process of rebuilding. There are some people I have met, believe me, when I met them, they were a mess. And they came to me and they would say things like, Nida and Pierre, please pray for me. I'm like, I'm not going to pray for you. Such, comment out not, except by fasting and praying. And it's not my fasting, your fasting. The thing that is worrying you, it's not a declaration that is going to solve it. And so for some people, according to the leading of God, I'll say, just hold my hand. Just be watching me for a while. Don't be in a hurry to carry a microphone. Don't be in a hurry to be on a flyer. Don't be in a hurry to sit in front. Don't be in a hurry to do any of those religious obligations 
they kill. Just find the life first. And as we begin to journey together, one prayer after the other, one counsel after the other, one encouragement after the other, one rebuke after the other, one sharp look after the other, one smiling look after the other. As we begin to journey together, I'm teaching the person the word, Day and I, even in the days when I am broken, I rise up and I say, because you see, where you dare, don't pass on. The way they do me now, maybe you go help me. So I get something to give you, don't worry. So you may look at me and think, but Pia, don't worry, I have bread for you. Because what I'm looking for is not the size of bread. So I can give you this one. Little by little, gentle by gently, I see this person transform. They transform to the point where Isaiah 61 is formed. And I see them begin to rebuild the ruins of other people's lives. And I see them through the process that they have observed. They now replicate the process in the lives of other people. The reason why it seems like we have too many broken people is because we have too many people that have never subjected themselves to process. Process is hard. It demands accountability and vulnerability. It demands trust in a broken system or a broken person. I'm telling you the truth. It demands that you allow time and God, who is the master of time, to play his role. It demands that sometimes you put your strength under subjection until the day of manifestation. It demands that sometimes you be quiet even though you have a thousand things to say. Process. Where I am today, I still tell some people, please hold my hand. Can you teach me every day? Can you show me? Can you help me? Why? Because we are constantly being built by God. Constantly. And so the Bible says that they will repair the desolation of many generations. The building of God inside of you must arrive at the point where you become a builder. Where you become skilled at restoring. It is both an act, but it is also an art. There is an art of restoration. There is an art of restoration. We said we are recovering ancient gates. You see, gates usually speak about setting boundaries. Boundaries within territories. And also gates speak about entry points. Gates speak about... <laughs> you know... You know what gate is. But prophetically, gates usually speak about um, power and strength and capacity and leadership. So when the Bible speaks about gates, it's speaking about the authority in that area. There are different gates over people's lives and different gates over places. If you're a married woman, one of the gates over you is your husband. And that's why you must pray for your gates. You must pray for they who sit over you. Because if their gates be broken, it releases over you just a flood of oppression. You will fight battles that you knew nothing about. You will fight wars that you did not, you did not go and look for the devil's trouble in this area. You will wake up and ask yourself, what am I dealing with? Some of the gates over you are your parents, authority, leadership, your pastors, your heads. And so the Bible began to say, 
them that there is a land I am giving to them. But in order for them to keep the land, they must obey, respect, and honor their parents. Why was God saying that? Because according to the mechanics of creation, parents stand as gates over you. And when you talk about parents, you're not only talking about father and mother, you're talking about anyone who or system or place that has birthed you. And the Lord said that these parents, even though they are building golden calf down there, but the inability of these children to honor them, it would mean that even though the children enter the promised land, they will never be able to preserve it. And the reason why we have what Apostle Tommy calls shooting stars, because a shooting star just goes up, it dies out. Why we have many shooting stars, especially in this generation, is because we have shooting stars who believe that the momentum and the propelling that they need to arrive at greatness is when they put down the ones that gave them foundation. But the Lord said there is a principle in time and space that if you cannot honor where you have come from, where you are going to, you may get there, but you will never be able to keep it. And so the word honor, like I've been teaching people, is the Hebrew word kabod. Many of us know kabod as the glory of God, the weightiness of his presence. But kabod gets its root from the explanation of a scale that they used to use in those days, where you have the pan, one here and one here, and then you put a weight that you know here, and then you put the weight you don't know on the other side. You compare the one you don't know based on the one you know. And the one you know is usually gold, silver, or bronze because they were the standards of measurement of value. Now, when the Lord said kabod, kabod is actually the gold, silver, or bronze on the side. The SI unit for measurement of greatness and power and strength. So when the Lord said, honor your father and mother, he's saying, know their weightiness. Know their measure of weight, their gold, their silver, and their bronze. Because if you don't know their value, you will never be able to determine yours. And so I see a lot of people who are roaming about with lack of identity. You are hustling, you are struggling. Today you build this, tomorrow you build that, tomorrow you do this, tomorrow you... Come on. Have you seen the son of a rich man before? I'm talking about, I'm not saying rich man 1.2 million. I mean rich man. Do you understand? He doesn't do those things. If he likes, he can just glide through school. He knows that there is an institution, there is a place waiting for him to come and take over. The reason why you are jumping up and down is because you don't know the gold and the silver that has been deposited in you. And the reason why you cannot value it is because you devalued those who gave it to you. So now you cannot tell what you received from them. But the Lord is saying that there is a place I'm taking you to. And for you to be able to be a gate. Because it is the people that have stood in the office of gates that can restore ancient gates. He says for you to be able to do this, you must know what you have been given. Know what you have been equipped with. When they tell you to tell the story of people who you have lived with, who you have stayed with, who have mentored you, who you have followed. The only story you tell are the bad things about them. The woes. Some people are even so skilled about telling the bad about where they are. How do you intend to progress in life? It doesn't matter how many rebuilding conferences you attend. You will not be able to come to stability until you allow yourself bring it to other people and the labors of others. Imagine if I picked up the Bible today and I'm like, you know, we're going to study the Bible. I don't really believe like half of the Bible 
you know, sometimes I don't even know this Apostle Paul. I don't even know what he says. Sometimes I listen to him and I just think, maybe the guy was even a drunkard. Was he really repentant? I'm not sure. I'm not saying that he wasn't an apostle. Uh-huh. He was an apostle, but there's just something about his letter, Sha. Sometimes he's angry. Sometimes he's nice. I just think, so let's just stick to Peter. Okay? All right? All right, Peter. You know, if I devalue scriptures, I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting myself. So if you're going to be a gate, because there are gates over nations. There are gates over systems. There are some gates over nations like the government, the presidency, the senate, all of these things. As long as you keep insulting, cursing, throwing woes at them, you yourself can never rise up as a gate in this land. There are gates over systems, gates over spheres, gates over dispensations, gates over operations like skills and giftings. Do you know there's a gate over music? There's a gate over it. As long as you keep... Anyway, let's go forward. So there are personal gates also in your life. So the Lord is saying, hey, you're going to rebuild ancient gates. But I'm bringing perspective to you so that you don't hear, when you hear the word ancient, you're thinking of altars of fire. Rebuilding unearthly ancient altars. That's not what I'm talking about. But we're talking about the entrance to a generation. The entrance to your life. Now, I cannot hear you. The discovery of ancient gates is the next thing I want to talk to you about. There are two stories in the Bible. And these two stories, the story of Bethel and the story of Babel. And in these two places, you see these two guys or these two people trying to touch gates. Now, in the story of Babel, you see the Nimrod and his people, they gather them together. and They're like, hey, let us build a tower that will go up to heaven. And it will touch the heavens. And Bethel, on the other hand, is Jacob journeying from his father's house. And journeying to a place where he does not know where he's going to. He's uncertain about the future. He's uncertain about the way he will get there. He's uncertain about how things will turn out. He's uncertain about how if he will be received. Jacob is making his journey to the land where Laban is. And the Bible records that when Jacob gets to um, this place, he's like, I'm tired. I'm going to lay my head to sleep here for the night. You know, in the morning, I'll wake up, I'll continue. And the Bible declares that on that night, as he laid his head to sleep, that he had a dream. And in the dream, the heavens over him were open. And he saw angels ascending and descending. And Jacob woke up the next day. And Jacob said, indeed, God is here. This is the gate of heaven. And it is the house of God. And Jacob woke up and he took the stone that he had laid his head on. And Jacob put it as a pillar. And he anointed the pillar. And the Bible says, he said, if you will keep me as I'm going and you will bring me back, I will come back here and I will give you an offering. This seems like a simple story in the Bible. But you see, sometimes we are like Jacob. And God is calling us to rebuild an ancient gate that was opened by our grandfather Abraham. And many times we actually don't know it. But there are some things about gates. They actually happen along the path of our normal lives. Our normal lives. Many times you are looking for an encounter. Many times you are looking for a prophet. Many times you are looking for something supernatural to happen to you. When I tell people about the encounters I have, sometimes I have encounters where I go to heaven or I have an angel come tell me something or, you know, all kinds of crazy things. I hear people, sometimes people say things like, oh my God, I wish God, we, oh, why would God not give me? Oh, why is it only you? And I'm thinking, here is the thing you don't get. 
I feel the same. Nothing about me changes because I have an encounter. I don't come back thinking, my God, you know, I have touched realms that you all can never imagine. If I, maybe if I was doing that stuff, it would help my ministry small. Understand? I'll just come to this pulpit and say, mm. You know, there's a face of the anointed. Have you been to heaven before? <laughs> you understand that? The next thing everybody say, mm. You say, ah, nebere, bere, 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 bere. Baba, open the. I don't have time for that drama. Let's keep it simple. It's a simple gospel. Honestly, 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 if you were to see Jesus' simplicity, we confuse you. And it will confuse everything you've learned. Simple. In the past week, Pastor Mo, something crazy. At least three people have told me, Uche, that they, you know, that PI, you don't know who you are. You don't give yourself enough credit for who you are. You don't, you actually, you don't see yourself. I said to myself, I said, Actually, I don't. Because I know who God is. And I am inconsequential within the grand scheme of who God is. The most I can do is to be a diligent pursuer. To be a diligent pursuer. When you see God, the only thing you want to do is run after him. When you see men giving themselves glory and accolades, you are afraid for them. And you wonder how a person has the audacity to do that. And I say this to you because the things, the occurrences that lead you to restoring certain gates, it happens in your normal day-to-day -day life. Normal. Nothing big happening. I may have just finished licking Agbalumo. And I will say, Madam Francisca, hold it, hold it, hold, hold you down. I want to sleep. 30 minutes, I get meeting. Nothing powerful, no prayer. I'll just go and sleep. And the next day, I'll open my eye and I'll see I'm somewhere else. What does that say to you? That if you're going to be one that God can build with, you must consecrate your every moment to the Lord. Because you never know when Jesus will pass by. You never know when heaven will be looking for someone to, to raise up to show what the heart of God is for a season. So every moment is a possible moment of encountering God. Even in the times when you are broken and you are crying. Even in the times when you are confused. Know that even my confusion is anointed. My tears are anointed. My pain is anointed. My frustration is anointed. Everything about me has the potential to bring heaven into the earth. Because I'm a builder. One other thing you want to know about, you know, being one that builds, um, about one that builds gates, is that many times you are actually sitting under an ancient gate that simply requires a reactivation, but you don't know it. And as long as you don't know it, it will remain just a religious thing to you. As you are sitting in this room right now, I'm telling you, you are sitting under the weight of the journey of many ministers.
let's even leave many ministers. Let's just hold only pastor. Do you know I was talking to someone yesterday and the person was asking me how I knew Pastor Nigel and Pastor Nkese and I was, you know, kind of explaining my journey. And I was saying, oh, then, you know, when I was in CPH, you know, it was actually Pastor Nigel I worked with first and Pastor Nkese in DTI, Discipleship Training Institute. And I still remember our first meeting very clearly. We sat in a room in the children's church and they were talking about making calls and, um, and we needed to call about 200 and something people who had registered for discipleship training. And they're like, ah, how are we going to do it? Let's share it amongst ourselves. And so say, maybe you, you take 50, you take 50. You know everything. And I looked at them. I was like, this is what I'm working. That time, I just left my job. I was at home jobless. So I said to them, I said, ah, give me the names. I'll call them. But now I just say, you call all of them. I said, I'll call them now. I don't have any time. He said, hey, okay, okay. So they gave me the script of what to say. I was happy. Workaholic like myself. The next morning, as soon as I woke up, I sat down with telephone. Hello, my name is Isi. Oh, yeah, you registered for discipleship training. Da, 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 da. Okay, all right, all right, thank you. Next person. By the time, person Nigel called me to check around four o'clock. Um, so, how is it going? I said, I've called like one year 54. So, is it many? You say, huh? <laughs> so, the person was like, You are joking. Was it? I said, Yes, well, person Nigel, I first worked with her. This was 2009. No, 2010. Yes, 2010, actually. No, 2009, sorry. And then, and I said, oh, but, and I said, because it was Pastor Nigel I met first. And I said, oh, no, it wasn't Pastor Nigel, it was Pastor Moses. Actually, I remember the first time I called Pastor Moses. I met Pastor Moses in 2007. And I called him from Ghana in 2007. I was so excited. I'd met this powerful pastor in this powerful church. And I was about to come back to Nigeria. So I was like, ah. Let me call him, you know. So I, call, I picked up my phone and called him from Ghana. I was like, hello, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. <laughs> Do you know Pastor Moses' holy voice? Have you ever heard him before? <laughs> good afternoon. I said, oh, good afternoon. My name is Isi. Who? Isi Agbonkese. Okay. I said, oh, I met you at um, this person's house. My friend Bobby um, introduced me to you. Okay. Um... I was just calling to say hi. You know, at this point, you are saying, God, let the phone cut. You know, I was just calling to say hi. All right, how are you? God bless you. Okay, sir. All right, sir. All right, take care. Bye. I said, ah. I said, I will never again call this man. Never, ever. I, call, I called my, then my fiance, Bobby. I said, Bobby, that your church, they are too pompous. This is the reason why I told you I will never go to that church again. Look at all of them. He said, what happened? I said, this, this is not your pastor you introduced me to. I said, let people just call on me. And I said, hey, Pastor Mo is very nice. So I said, it's not nice. So I remember coming back to Nigeria in 2008. And that was the first thing I told him. I said, Pastor Moses, I called you for God. I, he was like, I didn't know. Oh my God. I was like, yes. He said, no, I'm, I'm really not like that. And Pimo and I started praying every morning. And Pimo would pick me up from my house in VGC then. I would drive down to law school. And I used to pray with him at 6 a.m. every morning. I'm saying this to you because I say, oh, Pastor, you see, is going to preach, hey, P.I. of the Most High. No, P.I. is not really P.I. of the Most High. P.I. is just an accumulation of the labor of many people. I'm just simply who I am because some people counted me worthy enough to give me their time. And so I carry the things that people have labored for. 
So as I told the person, the person was like, are you serious? Even back then, 2008, Pastor Mo was already doing morning prayer meetings. I was like, yep. And I was even one of the last people he's been doing his sins. And I say that because you are sitting here and you don't know you are sitting over an ancient gate. You don't know you are sitting over labor of many years. The experience of the word that goes as far back as 1990 something. And he was birthed by somebody else who was birthed by somebody else. And so you are sitting under the possibility of spiritual gifts and spiritual things that men have touched by labor and you don't know it. You don't know it because like Jacob, you are laden by your personal journey. You are laden by your personal struggles. You are laden by the things you want to achieve. You want to collect the covenant. You want to collect the blessing. So you don't see it. You don't know it because like Jacob, you come to the land and you look at it. There's even nothing here. There was no stone remaining as a monument from what Abraham did. You see, the earth may forget, but God never forgets. The earth may not retain the monument of the things you have done, but the spirit never forgets. The spirit locks into itself the memory of every sacrifice and prayer that you have made. And so you sit here today. Can you even tell what is going on right now? Can you tell that the words that I speak, they are spirit life. That as long as I declare them over you, something is opening over your head. And you have the potential, the capacity to catch it and to connect with it and to say, Lord, perhaps there is something that I am missing. There are things that I have touched and I touched by faith. Who schooled the woman that touched the hem of Jesus' garment? Who schooled her in that kind of theology? Who told her that she would be healed? There are some things we do by faith. Rahab, like Pastor Nigel was preaching, who told Rahab that if she made that move and made that request, that her people and her generation will be saved. Let me tell you, there are some things you do individually simply because you have chosen to trust that the Lord can. The Lord loves people who are bold enough to challenge what heaven has to offer. Because when Jacob woke up, Jacob said, listen, I perceive in my spirit that the gates that I just touched and the gate I just connected with is nothing but the gate of heaven. And I need you to understand what the reality of heaven is. Because I'm teaching a group of people and the assignment I gave them for last week was give me 10 realities of heaven. And when they sent the assignment to me, it blessed my heart. As I was reading the reality and I told them, I said, if you plagiarize, I will know. I check every single thing. I, will, I say, and the Holy Ghost will hunt you down. So I, I, from time to time, I receive apologies in my email. Dear Pierre, I want to apologize. I stole it from Google. Please forgive me. I'm going to redo the entire assignment. I say, that's better for you. And I give you to 6 p.m. tomorrow. So I told them, research. Why do you have 10 Bible apps on your phone? Why do you have Dex Concordance? Why do you go and search? So when they sent me the realities of heaven, it was so sweet. But I think about it in line of the gate that Jacob touched. And Jacob said, this is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. And you see, we today have become the gate of heaven. Because the way Jesus explained what Jacob saw, Jesus said, hey, for surely you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
Jacob saw it as a ladder. But Jesus says, I am the ladder that the angels were using to go up and go down. And so Jesus himself now lives inside of us. That means I have become the ladder upon which angelic activities happen. So anywhere I go and anywhere I, I enter, there is an ascending and a descending. There is a capacity for a person to enter into heavenly realities. Why? Because the gate has come. And so what is in heaven? Several things. The throne of God is in heaven. The blood that speaks is in heaven. Innumerable company of angels are in heaven. Worship is constant in heaven. Joy fills the atmosphere in heaven. Life everlasting is in heaven. And the Bible says you are the gate. You are the gate. No wonder the Bible recorded that when the disciples will pass, that their shadow will heal people. Because their shadow was not just the shadow of their body and their clothes. It is the shadow of what overshadows them. So everywhere they went, heaven will overshadow the people. But do you know it? Have you become so engrossed in your current reality that you don't even know what you are sitting under? My prayer in the past week has been, Lord, help me to know what it means to sit in heavenly places. Because I don't want to walk from this level anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm tired. <laughs> Sometimes you never rebuild as long as you are telling yourself that what you have is okay. The reason why a lot of us have not been able to touch certain things is because we have convinced ourselves that what we are operating in is fine. You come, beautiful song, beautiful usher, Light. In fact, you can't even go to a church that does not have AC. Everything has to be in a certain way for you to know that Jesus is there. But I'm like, Lord, you and I, we know that this is not it. I say, so I am willing to stop and to step back from everything until I see what it is supposed to be. Because until you challenge the current gates, you cannot pull down the gates that God wants you to bring into the earth. You cannot bring down the, the, the power and the authority that God wants you to. So one of the ways in which you restore ancient gates is that you must be willing to challenge what is currently existing. I'm not telling you to challenge your brother's own. No. Challenge your own first. Because you see, I say to people who go to social media to blab, and I tell them, listen to me. The greatest publicity in this life is you, your life. Your life can become so powerful that you don't need to cover it yourself. People will come and cover your life. They'll come and put your life on the news. You don't have to go there to say, you know, guys, something powerful just happened to me. I just touched something really powerful. Why are you saying it? Power not the hide. Do you understand? If it's powerful, power by definition causes changes. So you don't need to say it. The reason why we are putting in so much effort is because we don't really carry what it's supposed to be. But God is saying that I have called you to rebuild the gates. Called you to rebuild the gates. And you see how a parallel story, Pastor, please prompt me about time. I don't know where I am. And you see how a parallel story with um, the guy that built Babel here he is, say to them, let's go, let's go 
Let's go and build a monument. But the problem with many of us, and I'm speaking to you from my heart, if I wanted to preach, we know. You'll be standing and be shouting. I'm not preaching. I'm telling you the truth. I'm just telling you my heart. And you see, what I'm saying right now, it applies to everyone. And I was praying some days ago, and I said, God, I fear for my generation. You know, I just look at so many people, and I look at so many things, and I realize that Truth has not rested in a lot of us. There is such a great desire to be. To be known, to be seen, to be heard. I don't get it. I don't get it. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was telling the person about choices. And I told the person, I said, I have touched opportunity on high levels. And I have backed away from many. Not because there's no possibility that if you just build this thing a little bit, be a little political, fake a little bit, laugh a little bit, even though it's not funny because university has the capacity to. I say I could do those things, but I choose not to. Because it is better to be known by God than to be known by men. And the access that is given to you by the Lord is the access that, access that the Lord is obligated to keep. The one that God is not obligated to keep, you will use your strength and you will wear out yourself to keep it. And so I find out that you see this approach of building Babel has entered into even the lives of believers. Where they say to themselves, come, let us go and build a monument. It is going to be so great, so powerful, you know, the, 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 so there's no place like this on earth. This ministry is one place I can tell you where the power of God resides. Who tell you? Don't call my room before. Have you gone to the church in the corner in that street in Romania before? Who told you you are the one that has the right to the power of God? And so there are all kinds of, you know, um, pompous statements. And all kind of um, proud positions that we take. Because rooted in it is the same thing that drove them to build Babel. We are going to build a tower. We are going to cause it. It's going to be so great. So big. Set apart. Be a monument. People must see it. But the problem with such buildings is that you must burn brick to build it. And brick is gotten from clay, and clay prophetically represents humanity. The problem with such buildings is that you burn people to build it. Because you are so driven by achieving a height, you don't notice the ones that are broken and struggling. And even if it means you will add them to the brick so that the building will go, so add it, not all can survive. Who taught us that? Who taught us that? It surely wasn't Jesus. And so for every time that people are told, hey, 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 why don't you rise up in the strength of Bethel first? 
Before you try to raise a monument, they say, oh, you are killing my shine. Don't let nobody talk you down. Don't let anybody tell you you don't have what it takes. Don't let nobody... Who they follow you fight? Who? And I'm saying this because we're talking about rebuilding. What are you building? Is it a Babel or is it a Bethel? Because the two buildings were meant to touch heaven. But which heaven are you touching? Babel was touching demonic spirits. It was built so that at the tip of it, they would put the zodiac signs and all the satanic symbols by which they could interact with fallen angels and fallen demons. And it becomes a monument of satanic you know, intervention or infiltration into the earth. They were trying to open a gate by which satanic um, spirits and powers can come into the earth and rule. But Bethel was the opposite. But you see, Bethel requires a kind of vulnerability, a kind of submission. We have to be careful. Because sometimes, even in our marriages, we're building barbells. Barbells. I told somebody, I said, I, if I knew how to just be a little bit political, my ministry would have gone far, honestly. If I could just, oh, gee, oh my God, you know, you're so powerful, my God. Like, every time I look at your eyebrows, I'm just like, oh my God, she's powerful. Like any lie, don't say anything. Just be in everybody's good and favorable book. You'll go far. But if you look at my face, where? You will know how I'm feeling every time. I can't hide it. And if I'm not happy with you, Uche, you could be a less talks more. <laughs> Come to the corner. Uche, I don't like that thing you did. Oh yeah, difficult conversation. Because I believe that the least I owe you as my brother is truth. If I can lie to you, that means the amount of lies I'm telling myself is more than the one I'm telling you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now, I say I'm not the kind of person that you will see me put me and my husband on Instagram. And I'll say, oh, look, worry me. The love of my life, the king of my building, the rebuilding of my waste places. Oh, I worship you. I pour my oil on you. Never. As it, <laughs> if I'm not... Point my oil, I'm not, forget it, it's not going to happen. Even if it's your birthday anniversary, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how to do it. So if there's one thing you can trust me for, I'll, I'm going to tell you. Call it stupidity, but I owe it to only the people that I'm accountable to. For those who are outside, you're not even going to see me, let alone for me to lie to you. But if you are within my circle, any circle of accountability, the least I owe you is truth. Because many of us are building Babel. Babel is only concerned about an appearance of greatness. Babel is only concerned about appearing high and powerful and able. Such a monument. But you are not touching God. Because if you are really touching God, God will tell you, Shine, be quiet for two years. Go and rebuild your ancient ruins. Gather yourself. But as long as you hold on, like she was preaching, as long as you hold on to a wrong mindset, what you are doing is that you are opening a door for the wrong, wrong kind of spirits to infiltrate your life. And guess what? Satan has the ability to make you great before men. Oh yeah, he promised it to Jesus. 
He said, only bow down to me and I will give you all of this. Only ask me to bless you and I will bless you. What do you want to build? 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 Who do you want to be? For you to be able to rebuild, you must first recognize that some gates are broken. Nehemiah was standing with a king, walking with a king for years. You know, I was teaching a group of people recently and I said to them, these are people that I've journeyed with for like five years. And I said to them, I said, you know, I teach you people every week in and out. And I have watched you guys grow. Some of them, people don't even know I teach them. Because you will see no connection between me and them, even on any social media space. And I said, but for many of you, not once have you asked me, P.I., what are the things you believe I should deal with in my life? P.I., who do you think I am? P.I., be honest with me. Tell me where I'm getting it wrong. I see some of you have told me to Socrates. And I begin to postulate in order to tell you that your mouth is smelling. Just to say, uncle, they brush. I will not begin to say, you know, because um, in society, there are different cadres of mouth odor. There are some whereby people from afar, far reaching, they call that the far reaching odor. Um, it's one in which you just, take your, just hoping that in the midst of all those postulations, the person will catch something, catch the idea. I say, I'm not going to do this with you if you're going to turn me into a proverbial master, John Wayne. You know, I'm not going to be a Chinese master and be quoting proverbs, proverbs, proverbs. The Bible says that Jesus will speak to the outside people in Proverbs. But when he came to his disciples, he made it clear and plain. I said, so please, allow me make it plain to you. I said, but the problem is, you've never given me access. And if you're a prophetic person, one of the first things you want to learn is access. People must give you authorization before you say. There are certain things just because you know. If God, Jesus wanted to tell everybody what he was saying. When he was alive, the chaos that would have happened there. So he just looked at me and said, You think Jesus did not know Judas would betray him? Or you think he did not know Peter's struggle? Or you think he did not know James? He knew all of it. He just kept quiet. Just be joining and be going. But if they ever asked him, Jesus told them the truth. So I told them, I said, I said, Because you are not going to be able to rebuild if you do not recognize, first of all, that there are things in your life that have to be built up. Some gates are broken. For you to be able to be built, you must be able to honest, be honest enough with yourself and admit that your silence and inaction is a collaboration with the brokenness that you are experiencing. And so we are in a generation that, as long as you don't deal with it, it doesn't exist. Well, it exists and it's growing every day. It's growing every day. And so I remember one time, a sister of mine was speaking to me, and she said, and she was talking about me, something I wasn't addressing. And she said to me, you see, you cannot eat omelets if you don't break eggs. 
break the egg. And I was like, no, I don't. she said, break it. Because there's something sweet inside this situation. But you will never discover it until you are willing to scatter it first. She said, confront what needs to be confronted. Say what needs to be said. And you know, it goes into every area of life. Even in my marriage, me and my husband sometimes were talking and, you know, men, they're so skilled. I, I might know, men are so skilled at escaping and evading. You, eh? It's like a God-given talent. So once you start, they just now to, you know, and you are there, you're thinking, I have a thousand more questions. <laughs> just, uh, so, before, I used to just, once, once I start, and my husband is like, eh, I don't know what I'm talking about, and he has gone. Me too, my pride, I want to hold this small pride I have as a minister of the gospel. I can't be just shaming myself left and down upon the altar of marriage. I have to hold small pride. At a point, I realized that, you know, this pride, you know, get who the airport. So now I'll tell my husband, I know what I'll say, no, 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 Bobby, no, 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 it's okay, sit down. I have well, no, sit down. I say, Bobby, let me just tell you a reality. This fight, you see this fight? We're going to fight it. <laughs> I say, I can assure you. Do you understand? So the sooner we fight it, the better. I say, we're going to fight it because I love you. And we're going to fight it because I know you love me. I said, but the conversations that we are supposed to have that we don't have with ourselves, certain we have it with us. I said, so we will talk. I said, if it's before, I'll just say, I used to take pride in unspoken words. <laughs> you know the app? Because even though you don't say it with your mouth, you will say it with your mind. And I said, I'll begin to suggest all kinds of things. So I tell my husband, I want to hear it from, I want to hear your position from your mouth. I don't want my imagination to tell me. So your silence has become your collaboration with the brokenness in your life. But the things that God has promised us, they are like ancient gateways into heaven. The life of heaven. The grace in heaven. Do you understand the presence of God? But if you cannot admit that you are inactive as it pertains to what needs to be done, you will never be able to break open that gate. And when you discover that you need to learn to repent, Repentance is not always, oh, I stole, so I'm repenting. In fact, the greatest repentance we have to do are the things that we acted like we did not know we were supposed to do them or the ones we were told directly by God and we refused to do them. Those are the things we need to repent for the most. But guess what? Sometimes you need to repent for the way you have misused your life. For the brokenness that you have allowed to continue in your life. Because your life is not yours. This nation is not yours. Everything you own belongs to God. Sometimes you need to repent for allowing the enemy make a mess of you. For not rising up to shout and to pray and to challenge. Sometimes those are the things we need to repent for the most. Because you can handle it doesn't mean it's not causing God pain. Because you are fine with it doesn't mean it's not breaking the heart of Jesus. So sometimes when you repent, you are repenting more for the sins of omission than the sins of commission. So you need to repent. And then you need to ask God to use you. Ask the Lord. 
ask the Lord, Father, if there is anything in me that you can use as a tool, use me. Commit to consistency and be ready to evolve. Be ready to evolve. Be ready to evolve. You see, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said to them, I said, God did not call us all to be the same. Pastor Nigel was preaching it. And one of the reasons why what we have the most is religion is because everyone is trying to look alike or to just look better than this look alike. How about looking different? Completely different. And I told the person, I said, I'm not under pressure to be anything. And I'm not concerned about the accolades of men that are too blind to recognize the gold in me. I will not be the one to come and open your, open your eye to say, see, I have value. I'm not going to do that. So I don't have that kind of pressure. So I do as I feel the Lord is leading me. I follow the Spirit. And I told them, I said, be ready to evolve. Some of our problems is that we love, we love the same thing. We don't like it when things change. But you see, God is a progressive revelation. And the more you progress into the knowledge of God, the more the knowledge changes you and challenges you to change. God, sometimes, to rebuild your life, he breaks it all down. Sometimes, if he really wants to help you, he will do it himself. Other times, he will put the hammer in your hand and say, break it. Break it. And with your own hand, you begin to explain to people, excuse me, I'm sorry, actually, I'm pulling this whole thing down. When people see things like that, look, I've been in ministry for 20 years. Consistent ministry. And I can categorically tell you, that some things we are doing now is not of the Lord. And by the grace of seeing the former generation and walking in there, walking in the current, and I myself, I don't even know which generation I belong to. Just by reason of that, I can tell you that what the Lord began to say to me in July, I am seeing the fullness of it. In July, he said to me, he said, Isi, there is a coming out of the coming out. I said, what does that mean? He said, remember there was a season where I began to burn in the hearts of some of you and I told you that this current model is not of me. And I began to light a fire in your heart. And there was a searching. And people began in droves, began to pull away. Not knowing where they were going to. But they just knew that there is something, there is something. And he says, yes, that happened. He said, but once again, even out of that, I am calling for another coming out. He says, and this time I am refining. And I am searching and I am fine-tuning. He said, but the problem is, people don't always realize when the voice of God is calling for people to move, he said it usually takes two to three years for some people to catch up with what the voice of God is saying. And I'm telling you, so some people have settled. 
Thinking that because they made that first move, they have arrived. We have not yet arrived at Canaan. All we did was leave Egypt. We've been in a wilderness for a while. And God is saying it is time to enter. But the problem is that many people that came out, they did not purge themselves of the desire for onions and garlic. So even though they are physically no more in Egypt, they are still building according to the patterns of Egypt. And God says, there will be no entering in. There will be no entering in. Once again, the Lord is refining. Once again, the Lord is calling. Once again, the Lord is searching for truth and for true relationships. For brotherly love and for kindness. For purity and for grace. The Lord is saying, this is the only way you will build what I want to build. This is the only way you will open the gates that I locked into creation. This is the only way you'll be able to pull down my power. He said, once again, I am calling for a consecration. For I'm about to move a set of people into Gilgal. He said, but there must be people who have first passed the test of Kadesh. The test of Kadesh, holiness and consecration. People of God. I will say there are many things I have to say tomorrow. The protocols of recovering ancient gates. But for today, I need you to know that everything I have said to you are the things that I know the Lord has said to me concerning recovery. There are times when I found out that, Pimo, sometimes because of the pressure to appear, Many people do not appreciate the process that prepares. So all they care about is appearance. And also, because it's so much about appearance, even those who should hold justice and wisdom in their hands, they now care more about appearance. Do you understand what I'm saying? So sit back and ask yourself, why would Pastor Mo invite an Eva? when he could invite some other more powerful and prominent people. Why? Because it's not about appearance. It's about process, emergence. The voice of God and the hand of God upon a people for a time. If you're going to build, you must be one that knows how to scan and follow the movement of the spirit. Because while many are going after appearance, you must go for preparation. So Samuel came, all the sons. He's like, this is not them. They all appeared to be, but none of them had been prepared for that role. Where Isaac missed it, but to the glory of God, was that Isaac said, it feels like Esau. It smells like Esau. The food tastes like Esau, but the voice is the voice of Jacob. He should have followed the voice. Many times we are following, it feels like, it smells like, it tastes like, but is it the Lord? Does it sound like God? Does it sound like his word? Can you back it up with scriptures? You must be careful. So because we have learned to negate the place of process and to overlook it 
Even though something is telling you, look again. This person does not carry consecration. This person does not obey or respect the laws of Christ. Look again. This person does not become skilled in grace and mercy. Look again. As long as you keep overlooking that what you are doing is that you are training your spirit to overlook the place of process. So in the day that it now pertains to your own life, you cannot receive the process of God. So we have become a generation of people who speak about rebuilding, but actually cannot commit to rebuilding. Because building requires that your heart is put inside it. We have become so unsympathetic with the struggles of people. You hear a believer tell you, I'm struggling. And then you don't call the person back the next day. You don't check to see how the person is doing one month later. Do you think they just were just looking for who to disgrace themselves to or who to tell secrets? How have we become so unsympathetic? There's a problem. There's a problem. If you are a father that has a house with treasures, would you give the keys to that house to a brother who is unsympathetic to his other brothers? The day you die and you give him the key, he will open that door and nourish himself and never take care of his siblings. Would you give that brother the key, that son the key? You will give the key to the son that you know he will look over the affairs of all his brothers. He will care for them. He will stretch what he has to make sure that they are fine. That is the church that Jesus died for. Have we become so unsympathetic? Our hearts are hardened. All we care about is doing big programs, big meetings, having a name. Big, what the heck is that? Who cares? Heaven doesn't care. Heaven doesn't care. There's a scripture that says, I am tired of your conferences. I'm tired of your meetings. Have you seen that scripture? I'm tired of your programs. They smell to me. Get them away from me. In Isaiah 58, he said, is this not the fast that is acceptable to God? That you stretch yourself. You break the bonds of your brothers. You loosen the cords of darkness around them. That you give yourself to your sibling. Guys, what do you want to build? We have so preached this gospel of take the media entertainment. Pay, take this mountain. Don't take no mountain. You've not taken the ant hill in your backyard. You want to go and take the mountain where all the, the, the priests of Baals are offering sacrifices daily. You're going to die there. Let us take the mountains before us. Take the mountain of the sister beside you that never has anything to eat on a daily basis. Take the mountain of the church next to your own that is struggling to buy microphone, help them. Take the mountain of the brother that is laden by the spirit of depression, cast it out, pray till he recovers. Because it's the church, the whole church that Jesus is coming from. Not your church, not your superstar position, all of us. I would rather give up the stage Give up the microphone. Give up the pulpit. 
give up your programs and your meetings just so that I can really, really touch people. Give it all up. I'm saying this because as a pastor, I consistently have people come to me. And believe me, people are struggling. But people should not be struggling. So I'm not one of those, look, we are all strugglers. You know, we just, no. We should not. We should not. Something is missing. Have you ever been in a position where you sit down before and you have something to say you cannot think of one person you can tell the truth to? Has that ever happened to you? Because you don't know if whether as you are telling them, they are telling the next person. Or if when they tell you I will pray for you, they actually never pray for you. Have you ever been in that situation before? Where you have to lie your way through life. No, something is wrong. It says because they could not descend the body. That's why many are sick. Many are weak. Many even die. Because all we are thinking about is individuality. Never the body of Christ. As long as we cannot descend, appreciate, honor, build up the entire body. Many will be weak and broken. We are called to rebuild. The ancient gates that Peter and Paul built. That James and all these guys died for. These are the things we are called to build up. And I pray that the spirit of God, the spirit of God will touch our hearts. That the spirit of God will challenge us. That the spirit of God will speak to us. That the spirit of God will convict us. That the spirit of God will remind us of what this race and salvation is truly about. That the spirit of God will enable us to build accurately and rightly. That the spirit of God. You know, I went somewhere to preach recently. In fact, many of the places I've been going to preach recently, I tell them, please, please, don't give me an honorary. And I remember one of the pastors said, ah, but why? I know you've blessed us. You came to. I said, please, please. You know, I couldn't explain it. And I've been saying it consistently to people. And one person asked me, ah, P.I., Hold me again, Pierre, why? I said, listen. I said, is it the day I come to your pup pupil to stand? Is that the day I bless you? Don't, have I not been blessing you? What is this transactional relationship? I said, if you want to bless me, bless me. I don't need to come and preach for you. Remember me. Oh, how is P.I. doing? How is people of influence doing? Take you say I don't have a car. Rally people to help me. Do I have to come and preach for you to remember I have needs? I said, don't give me. I don't believe it's the way it should be. I believe we should have relationship, not transaction. Relationship, not transaction. I said, is it wrong to bless a brother? No, do it. If you feel so moved to sow a seed because someone said, or oh, bless, do it. 
I said, but we must not make it a culture if we cannot base it on scriptures. I said, because what then begins to happen is that one day my heart too will now say, ah, why did Lily not give me honorarium? When in the beginning I knew the truth. But as long as you stay in silence and you continue, you will, and you see, the problem is the moment you now become back to back, back to back, you now feel that this justifies every other coldness. And because of this, you cannot talk to me. I cannot tell you. What? I know do. I know they do. Is it that we have it or we don't? Guess what? That's where power lies. Because the day I hold your hands to pray, Jambakele Zobadai Katai. Ah! Those were the kind of prayers the apostles prayed. And the Bible will say, and the room when they were staying, it shook because of the power of true unity. Can you count how many unity meetings they've called and nothing happened? It's because we were united in speaking, but not in heart. It is the heart that moves God, not the words. It is time to rebuild because the gate of the church is an ancient gate. There is no gate that is more ancient than the church. Because the church did not begin, begin when Jesus died. The church began from the foundations of the world when the lamb was slain. It was an ancient gate that God opened even before Abraham was born. And that gate was founded on truth and unity. The unity of the throne. The unity of the heavens. The purity of God's throne. It is time for us to be Christians. To be Christians. I don't say these words to you because I have attained perfection. I say these words to you because it's the truth and in speaking them it indicts me also. But you see, the truth is bigger than me. I serve the truth. Even if the truth exposes me. Father, help us to build. Help us to build. Help us to build. Help us to build. Show us how to be true. Teach us to love. Help us to engage your spirit truly. Help us to speak truth, to love, to be there for one another. Give us the grace to stay accountable. The power to walk in unity. Sharpen, oh God, our hearts by your word. Help us to be receptive to you at every point in time. And when you turn, help us to turn with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we give you all the praise. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.